Hello everybody, my name is Nkozi and welcome to the Two Sides of a Coin podcast, now from a different location. Um, so I had to move around this week, so sadly you're going to be hearing a lot more sounds, at least for this week. Uh, the new place that I'm recording in is close to a highway, so if you can hear more in regards to the cars that's the reason anyways let's go into the two movies we're going to talk about this week first one being the fourth and final film in the john wick franchise for john wick chapter four the second one being a new movie which i was luckily able to get before it even comes out officially and that is dungeons and dragons Honor Among Thieves. So, let's get into it. So, crazy as it is to think, it's been almost 10 years since the first John Wick movie came out. John Wick came out in 2014, and it was a very classic story. Man falls in love, man leaves Assassin's Guild where he kills people for a living, Man then has wife die. Wife gives man dog that he loves. Dog is killed by people from the world that he was previously in. Man goes on murderous rampage to kill the people who killed his dog. And that's really the John Wick franchise. And we've learned so much more in the previous, in the next two movies after that. We learned that there was... This whole secret society built around these series of hotels called the Continental. We've learned that there are rules and regulations and how things are done properly. We learned that there's a special currency that uses gold coins, which we even have people who've determined how much each of those gold coins are worth, just so that way they can make sense of this really interesting and vague-ish world that John Wick sits in. So, with John Wick Chapter 4, it's building off the shoulders of three really good movies. I would say in the John Wick saga, the first three movies are all incredibly solid and at a level that you don't find in many movie franchises so john wick 4 already has a lot of really good things to look up to a lot of good points to hold up so let's go into whether john wick chapter 4 whether it holds up to those same standards or does it fall short so, some of the good things about John Wick Chapter 4 is if you are here for action, you are not going to be disappointed. John Wick Chapter 4 still has all the great action that we see in the John Wick franchises. You're going to see people getting flipped. You're going to see people getting shot. You're going to see people getting stabbed. You're going to see even more action. You're going to see people getting hit with bows and arrows. You're going to see people fighting with bows 
and really getting visceral. You're going to see people getting stabbed. You're going to see so many headshots. It's going to blow your mind. Literally, in certain cases, if, especially if you're in this universe. So, John Wick still does action great. They have a great action set piece in this movie set in Paris. Actually, two great action set pieces set in Paris where you get to see the full display of how John Wick is. And I love how they play it off. I love how one scene, and you see it in the trailer, so this isn't a spoiler. One scene is around one famous landmark. And there's most of a great scene using a set of stairs. And the majority of that scene is so good in that it shows all the John Wick traits that we see. John Wick just having uncanny aim, the bad guys not having great aim, and him being able to take people out with any kind of weapon that he gets his hands on because John Wick is Baba Yaga and Baba Yaga is just so deadly. Second thing that I love about John Wick Chapter 4 is that this is probably the biggest movie. Well, this is probably the biggest thing about the movie, and that is John Wick is not the only one that gets great action set pieces. In this movie, there are several, several actors that get great action set pieces right alongside John Wick. You know, this movie is probably the biggest contender in regards to, hey, this movie shows that there are way more action stars. There are so many other people who can exist and thrive in the John Wick universe. Uh, we see Donnie Yen comes in as a particular character. He plays Kane, you know, and he comes in and he's great. Of course, Donnie Yen, known for his action, so he comes in there and he absolutely kills it. You have uh, Rina Sawaya, and I'm sorry about butchering that name. I really am. She plays the daughter of the manager of one of the Continentals, and she's great when her action is on display. She comes in there. You can tell she's doing her own stunts, and she pulls it off very well. You also have uh, Shamir Anderson. He comes in there. He has his own dog, and he has a couple of really good action set pieces. So when you see him, he's doing well. Of course, he uses his dog, and the dog is so bloodthirsty and lovable. Which brings me to my third thing about the John Wick franchise as a whole, is that no one will make you love dogs more than John Wick. Truly. No one will make you love John Wick more than if you love dogs. If you love dogs, you will love John Wick. John Wick is probably the best action series when it comes to dogs and just showing how much you care about them. So that is, that's great with John Wick. And I would say 
the number one thing that I really liked is that the villain makes you hate him so much from the opening from the opening couple of minutes you hate the villain and you want him to die the villain in this case is played by uh, Bill Skarsgård he plays the marquee he is a member of the high table and he absolutely comes across as a complete complete psycho he will do anything he needs to do in order to get John Wick. He is an excellent villain in this movie. Sometimes I think Bill Skarsgård plays a villain a little bit too well. Just because he was the villain in It, both movies. So it's always interesting to see him play a different kind of villain. But I don't hate the player. I just hate the game. Bill Skarsgård is a great villain in this movie and you want to see him die at every single opportunity. So when the villain makes you want them to die so viscerally, that is that's aces in regards to the role that they play. So I've talked about all the good in regards to John Wick. So let's, let's talk about the bad in regards to John Wick. And some of this bad is not in regards to John Wick, but sadly, it's about the environment that it comes out in. And when I say the environment it comes out in, I mean, early on in this movie, a character dies. A very important character that's been in the first three movies, and he dies very suddenly. And that character, which I will reveal, because it happens very early in the movie, it happens in the first 15, 20 minutes of the movie, is Lance Riddick's character, the concierge. Now, the reason why I say that is simply because, as we all know, Lance Riddick passed away recently. So to see him die again was a little bit jarring for me. That's not a complaint about the movie. Obviously, this was shot months before it happened. It just happened recently, so I understand why it stayed in the movie. I understand why it was included. It just, it left a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth. It might not leave that bad taste for you. I just think if you are gonna go into this movie, you should go into this movie knowing that this person who did die in real life does die in the movie. It's I just think it's better if you know than you don't. So the second problem that I have with this movie, which is actually just a structural problem, it's this. This movie is weighed down so much by the expectations placed on it from previous movies. What do I mean by that? I mean, throughout all the movies, we've gotten bits and pieces of knowledge of the world that this franchise is set in, a world where they have this assassination conglomerate called 
the high table in which the continental is a part of, in which we see all of these rules where there's no violence at the continental. You can't shoot anybody in the continental. If you do, you're excommunicated. And if you're excommunicated, you can't use any of the resources that the council or the high table provides and if the high table asks for you to give flesh or blood or life then you must give it to them the deals that you make with them can exist in perpetuity for the entirety of your life so we have all of these things the problem one of the biggest problems with john wick chapter four is that John Wick chapter 4 has to answer so many additional questions about the council that the movie starts out doing one thing and then in the middle of it, it flips to this whole other thing in regards to the council that honestly, it really should just stay focused on what the original idea is. We shouldn't be introduced to the main plot point of this movie 30, 45 minutes in. We should know what the general flow is going to be within the first 10 to 20. That's what we should do. And sadly, that's not what we get. We get John Wick really just killing people. Then he figures out what the entire point is for the movie. And I feel like that slows it down simply because we have to stop and explain and we have to tell, not show, what this movie is all about. Which leads me into my next problem. This movie is long. This movie is two hours and 49 minutes long with a post credit scene. I'm going to tell you this right now. Do not. Pay, do not stand around for the post credit scene. Just don't do it. Just leave after the credits roll. Don't not even don't even wait for the credits to roll. Once the credits start rolling, leave. You do not need to stay for the post credit scene. I thought it was going to be something important. I was mad when I saw what it was and I said, I didn't need to see any of this. This was a meeting that should have been an email in regards to the post credit scene and the movie is just it they could have shaved 30 minutes off this movie and i would have been perfectly fine with that length of time being taken off it did not need to be this long the fact that it is i think just speaks towards how not only this movie works I just think it speaks towards how much, as I said before, it's weighed down by all the information that we need. We need to go through five or six steps to get to what John Wick needs to do that honestly, we didn't, we shouldn't have had to. This could have been streamlined down by like a good solid half hour and we would have had a much tighter story. The simple fact is there's too many scenes in this movie where people are just sitting around talking when they should be shooting. John Wick is not there because this is Shakespearean theater 
it's an action movie it has some moments which are fine it should not have so many moments that is a huge pain point for me in regards to this movie also i'm i'm just my last thing is kind of a small gripe it really is i know but i have to bring it up if i don't i'm really going to regret not bringing it up and that is Keanu Reeves, he may look like he still is pretty young, and he, he looks great. He's not moving like he is, though. Keanu Reeves doing all of his own stunts. Obviously, he's done his own stunts through all four of these movies. He's starting to look like an old man. It reminds me of when they used the de-aging technology for captain marvel where you used it on sam jackson sam jackson looked great the de-aging software worked the problem was whenever sam jackson was forced to do some big moves or run you could tell that sam jackson is still an old man because he was moving like somebody who was way older he can't pull off those moves that he used to be able to do this I feel was probably the issue with John Wick chapter four and it became very clear especially when they tried to slow it down I I was just watching it in theaters and you could just see that he was moving slow they had to slow it down a lot more than they used to be able to it's not that I hate the fact that Keanu Reeves did his own stunts. I commend him for that. It worked in three movies. The time we get to the fourth one, it was just too much of a gap between the third and fourth movie. And he just, he looks like he's getting up there and he can't do the things that he used to be able to do. That's not a knock against Keanu Reeves. Father Time catches up with us all. It just was very noticeable to me in regards to this movie. Which, my biggest gripe with John Wick Chapter 4 is it had two scenes in particular. One centered around a poker table and another one centered around a staircase. That absolutely took me out of the movie. Movies are all about buy-in, just like any other property. If you cannot buy in to the movie, if you cannot just believe that this is happening, guess what? You are going to have a bad time. And if you, unlike me, can filter everything out, Focus on the good parts of this movie. You're going to have a great time. If you can't, if you see those things that take you out of this movie, just like you did with me, you are not going to have a great time. I walked into this movie hoping that I was just going to get an average John Wick movie, which I would have been happy about. And I walked out mad. I walked out mad that... I had gone through this, that I was at this long movie. I just, I looked at it and I said, why, why am I here? 
this is too long, too much talking. The action is still great when they get to the action. The action was way too broken up for me. Had too many gaps where there should have just been action or fast moving and it slowed down a little bit too much for my taste. So if I had to give this movie a rating, I would honestly give it a four and a half out of 10. It's not that it's bad. It's just the problems I had with this movie far eclipsed the things I liked about this movie. I believe at the end of the day, a movie should make you happier than when you came into the movie or it should make you reflect or contemplate or just be glad that you were in that movie. When I walked out of John Wick chapter four, I was mad. I walked in happy and I walked out mad. So it didn't even meet that bare level of me walking out the same way I walked in. So I hope that you guys are able to enjoy it a whole lot more than I did because I just did not like this movie. And I understand the Rotten Tomato scores are high. I just, the problems that everyone else had with this movie were way bigger for me than it was for them. But honestly, I hope you guys are able to sit down, enjoy this movie and tell me if I'm just dead wrong. If this movie really sparked joy for you, please let me know. I would love to hear from you guys about that. So let's start off with the elephant in the room for Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. I say this all because I want to be honest with you guys and I want to be upfront. I play Dungeons and Dragons. I really like the game. I also play other tabletop games. So when I went into this movie, I tried to not only keep an open mind as to I know a lot of these references, I did my best to try and review this as someone who is not in the fandom that this movie is already speaking to. So I might rate this a little bit higher than others would rate it. However, I am going to try my best to give you the hands down my honest opinion of this movie. Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves is its own movie, first thing. There are some very bad Dungeons and Dragons movies that have been made previously. I think the last one was close to 20 years ago. You'll be happy to know that this movie has nothing to do with those movies. This movie stars Chris Pine, Michelle Rodriguez, Justice Smith, Sophia Lillis, Hugh Grant, and Renee Jean Page, where they are a group of thieves that has stole something that they shouldn't have stole, and now they're out to try and save the world. At least that's what the marketing is going to tell you. So I think the biggest elephant in the room 
that needs to be addressed before anything else is addressed about Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves is that the marketing for this movie will lead you to believe that you are getting one version of a movie than you are going to get. So if you walk into this movie expecting to get something along the lines of Guardians of the Galaxy or Lord of the Rings, you are not going to get that movie. This is its own thing. It's not a Marvel movie. It's not a DC movie. It is its own fantasy movie that has comedy, of course. It also has action. It has some drama. But I would say mostly this is an adventure movie. The goal in doing this is not that the characters in this movie are out of their way going to try and stop the villain and be heroes. I would say that's the last thing on almost anyone's mind in this movie. This movie is really more about a group of people who have a goal and that goal is to get something back that's important to them. Along the way, they end up having to save the world. That is not their end goal. Their whole thing is, hey, we want to do X, Y, and Z. And the saving the world is not X, Y, or Z. It's more like it's A+. One thing I really liked about this movie is that with, but by the end of the last 10 to 15 minutes of the movie, they've accomplished everything they want to accomplish. Their goals are set. Then they see the end of the world thing that's happening and they just decide, okay, we got to stop it. We're not heartless. We're not going to just let this happen. So let's stop this bad thing. It is not the thing that they are focused on. This is mostly a heist movie where it's 90% heist and 10% saving the world. So if you're looking for a band of heroes that are out there trying to save the world, you are in the wrong movie. This is not that movie. If you're looking for a group of thieves who are reluctantly put into the position of having to save the world, that is the movie you are going to get. And that's the movie that I think you'll really, really enjoy. Chris Pine's character, I would say one of his real strengths in terms of his acting is that he can make any role that he's in, unless the script is absolutely terrible, he can make that role feel natural and make you buy in to the world that you are in. And I gotta say, this movie was great at just making you feel like this is all normal stuff. If there's something that's weird, it brings it up. If it isn't weird and it's just the way the world is, they just rolled with it and they expected you to follow along. I will say there are some moments that I think if you are a fan of D&D like myself, you will really, really enjoy. However, from the way they are talking about this world, there were a lot of moments where I said, hey, I truly think 
that the average moviegoer with zero knowledge going into this movie would really enjoy this. This is not so out of touch with the average person that they can't catch on. I really think that's a strength for this movie. Now, it's set in the area in terms of Dungeons and Dragons called the Forgotten Realms. So if you are a fan of D&D, you're going to hear familiar towns, familiar places. If you are not a fan of D&D, if you don't know anything about it, you can just forget that. They're just saying names of places that are in the world. They are not going to go over the history. They're just going to move on because these are people that exist in that world. They're not just going to say, oh, this is Helm's Deep, where this great battle happened, where this angel came down and defeated this great warrior, this great devil that was striking down the city. They're not going to say any of that. They are just going to move on and say, oh, this guy's from Helm's Deep. This guy's from Waterdeep. This guy's from Baldur's Gate. And they're just going to move on. That is how you would react if you were in this world. You're not going to suddenly espouse the lore of a city to whoever is there because they're going to know the lore or they're not going to care about the lore. That is really a strength for this movie, in my opinion. They don't go too deep into anything that doesn't need to be gone deep into. They are just going to talk about the things that are important to the movie. And they're going to leave everything else as just, don't worry about it. These are just things that are in the world. Don't worry about it. They're not going to come up a lot. So it's very easy to understand. Second thing about this movie, this movie has some really likable characters uh as i mentioned you know chris pine his character of course his character's name is uh edgin his character is incredibly likable you get michelle rodriguez she plays of course a fighter and to talk about michelle rodriguez i always thought it's interesting how in a lot of michelle rodriguez's roles she's able to be the badass and if i remember correctly at one point she said i want to always be considered a badass now normally the badass in movies have bad things happen to them and i'm comfortable with that as long as i get to show people that i am the badass and i think michelle rodriguez does that well with her character of holga in this movie uh Rene John Page, he plays uh, a character whose name is a uh, Zenk. He is a paladin. You had Chris Pine, who was the bard. You had Michelle Rodriguez, who's the barbarian. You had Rene John Page, who's the paladin. I'm going to say this right now for anybody who is expecting him to be in the movie from the beginning and to be there at the very end. He's there at the very end. Rene John Page has a very small part in this movie. It's not small like blink and you'll miss it. He is not in this movie for a large stretch of this movie. Then he's there 
and he fits well with the group and then he leaves and that's kind of his story he comes back at the very end however if you're expecting to see him in a large amount of this movie he is not in a large amount of this movie i would say he's probably in about 15 to 20 minutes and i really like this character i think they put his character in the best place to be memorable but not overbearing so i really liked where they went with his paladin character uh, you had justice smith he plays a sorcerer i loved his character in regards to his journey was learning how to be confident in this movie it might be giving away a little bit too much but you'll see in what way we're referring to and uh you also had sophia lills she plays a druid and she also plays a tiefling so this is more inside dnd than outside dnd yes she is a tiefling they do mention that she is a tiefling if you just think they're weird horns they are not they fully acknowledge she's a tiefling you don't really see any other tieflings in the game but in this movie but they do acknowledge that she is a tiefling hugh grant plays one of the villains his name is a uh, forge fitzwilliam and honestly hugh grant just looked like he was having a lot of fun in this movie he looked like hey you want me to say some silly things i will say silly things i'm not going to necessarily be menacing i'm going to be the bad guy that you hate but you actually like to hate and it's hugh grant he can play that role in his sleep so you you don't get mad at somebody who has a lot of talent who just gives you their average game and that's all hugh grant does he gives you his average performance which is still really good and i will say some of the scenes that he has in this movie really made the crowd that i was with laugh i'm not sure how that's going to play with the regular crowd because as i said i saw this early but we will see not only that the storytelling was really tight in this movie this movie moves at a pretty good pace it slows down at times however when it slows down it's not slowing down because it's bogged in melodrama it slows down because it's trying to make a point at every single time this story slows down it doesn't ever slow down because you went backwards this story feels like even when they fail they fail forward and it's not about wallowing in despair it's about all right this plan failed then we have to move on to the next part this plan failed then we move on to the next plan just in case this plan fails so that's what i also really liked you know that tight storytelling this movie does a lot of show not tell they do have exposition heavy moments however it's not just watching the characters you know talk it's mostly showing them talking a little bit and then showing them doing the things that they were talking about it's not just exposition it's showing you 
in terms of flashbacks and stuff like that, which it's a regular method. However, it is something that does need to be brought up. They don't just talk to you. They show you what the person is seeing in these moments. And the final thing that I really liked is the execution. This is not some big blockbuster movie. This is a tight story where they are just going to go off of heart and they're mainly relying on the characters, both the heroes and the villains, to really carry this. And I think for the most part, the heroes and the villains, they carry this movie. It has a lot of heart and it wears it on its sleeve. So as I said, if you walk in there with just hoping to see a good movie, you're gonna see a good movie. If you walk in there though, and you're expecting a huge epic saga, you are gonna be so disappointed in regards to what you see. If you're walking in there and you're expecting it to be something like Guardians of the Galaxy, you're gonna be disappointed because this is not Guardians of the Galaxy. This is its own thing. And I think it does that thing pretty well. Now, as much as I love the movie, there are some parts of this movie that I didn't necessarily enjoy. So one thing is this movie is incredibly predictable. You can see every beat as it's happening. Especially in the final 45 minutes, I could tell you exactly what's gonna happen. I was like, okay, he's gonna reveal this, it's gonna bring them together, then they're gonna do this, then they're gonna do this, then they're gonna do this. It was A, B, C, D, E, F, G. It was like the alphabet. You just go straight through, you don't even think about it. Also, this movie really does not take itself too seriously. And there were one or two moments where I felt like they could have taken themselves a little bit more seriously, where they went for the joke instead of just going for, no, this is a serious encounter. I didn't necessarily love that. I thought, hey, the jokes were great. However, there are some times where they could have just not joked around as much and just done straight action or suspense or what have you. Third thing is, this movie takes at least one magical weapon and it takes it directly from a another property. I'm not going to tell you what that property is. When you see the magical weapon, just know that's not in Dungeons and Dragons. That is from the thing you think it is. I'll, I'll just say this as much. It had two games. Both were puzzle solving games and they were very much beloved by the people who played them especially myself so that took me out a little bit of the movie when I saw that they were doing that I was like are you are you really gonna rip them off okay so that that was one of the parts where I just looked and I was just like oh come on I didn't say that out loud but that's what I was feeling when I was watching the movie Overall, I would give Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves an eight and a half out of 10. This movie is a tight movie. It's very likable. If you walk in there and you just walk in there with no expectations or even low expectations, it's gonna meet and exceed 
those expectations if you walked into this movie and you're expecting an epic saga or an adventure that will span the breadth of the forgotten realms you are going to walk out of this movie very disappointed and just be angry and honestly i'd understand why you were angry if i walked into this movie expecting guardians of the galaxy i just wanted this movie to be good thankfully it was good so i walked out of there and i was very happy with what i got now that i said that i just want to say thank you everybody for listening to me ramble and putting up with the uh new location i will be changing things hopefully within the next week or two so please bear with me while i go through this change so if you want to hear more or you want to reach out about the podcast there are a couple ways you could do that you can reach us on twitter you can reach us on instagram at two sides of a coin that's t-w-o-s-i-d-e-z of a coin all one word also if you want to reach out to us via email you can reach us at two sides podcast at gmail.com that's spelled t-w-o-s-i-d-e-z podcast at gmail.com please feel free to reach out if you have any questions any comments anything that you want to bring up we're more than happy to hear from you guys all right and i will catch you all later